I'm Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart News and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Breaking the News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin with even more evidence that the third-hand January the 6th testimony from a former junior White House staffer is far, far, far from credible. The new details make the anti-Trump show trial seem absolutely silly. Yet, this has not stopped the establishment media from indulging in the Cassidy-Hutchinson fantasy, and we explain it all. Also in the opening, we break down just how many abortions will actually be blocked in a, pro, in a post-row America. It's actually fewer than you think. And then we launch into more bad economic news, a slate of interesting tech stories, including Elon Musk's surprise hiatus from Twitter, and then our woke update, which includes irrefutable evidence that the trans hysteria is somehow still ramping up and our children are more vulnerable than ever. Our guest today is Marjorie Dannenfelser from the Susan B. Anthony's List, which is one of the most significant, if not the most significant, pro-life organization in America. I let her take a victory lap, and then we get into where the abortion battles take place. But perhaps most interestingly, she breaks down why she thinks the pro-life movement has been so ascendant over the last decade. She's always great to catch up with, and you won't want to miss that. Then we have our caller of the day. All that, let's get into it. the news. Uh, I'll start with a little more Cassidy Hutchinson news, the January the 6th bombshell witness whose testimony is just getting picked apart. It's becoming increasingly clear that she's just an actress and is not someone who actually has any deep insight or wisdom or has anything to say about Donald Trump or Trump world that uh, you all couldn't have figured out for yourselves from listening to shows like this or from uh, uh, if you have a different worldview, just reading all the gossip on Twitter and in uh, places like Axios and the Daily Beast and Politico and all, all that stuff. If you wanted that side of it, you could have got it elsewhere. Um, but the uh, young actress has been out there and having her testimony picked apart. And some of it, according to a new report now, that she fabricated testimony about a conversation with former White House counsel Pat Cipollone. Jordan Dixon Hamilton wrote this up for us at Breitbart News, but a former White House aide who was the January 6th star, uh, 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 star witness, Hutchinson, um, has a part of her testimony about a conversation she had with former White House counsel Pat Cipollone is just getting outright denied. Um, Cipollone, according to Hutchinson, told her boss, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, that Trump should not go to the Capitol on January the 6th, according to her own testimony. Uh, she testified that, that Cipollone said, we're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if Trump went to the Capitol, but Trump apparently wanted to do something else. But as we heard yesterday, the White House counsel had a significant, had significant concerns regarding Trump going to the uh, Capitol, according to Liz Cheney, who was translating it, but Cipollone is reportedly not even at the White House that day. So she testified that he had said something and flat out laid down a law to Trump, don't do it, but the problem is he wasn't even there to have done that. Pretty good, right? So she testified he was there giving Trump really stern warnings, and as it turns out, uh, he wasn't even there that day to give them. Uh, 
This is why the hearsay doesn't apply. This is why the logic was never going to work. And the fact that this is a kangaroo court and not a real court was always very risky if you want to have credibility. But of course, credibility is not the key. Distracting all of us is, is the main key. And trying to remind people that Trump is such a bad guy that the orange man is bad. That is one of the main goals, if not the main goal. Um, and it worked in some circles. Uh, you could see how the media reacted to this. The Washington Examiner, which is a conservative outlet, kind of more establishment, a lot more establishment, um, owned by the same people used to own the Weekly Standard, which uh, was establishment outlet that uh, ran itself into the ground under the brilliant Stephen Hayes, never Trumper, and a former Fox News guy, the guy who I refer to as the cooler, the guy in uh, the punditry who is wrong the most often. If he says something, then it will almost certainly turn out to be to be false. Um, but remember, the uh, he was uh, writing the Weekly Standard, and then and then it died. Um, but the Washington Examiner is sort of the run by similar people, if not the same people, and they said flat out Trump can't be president anymore. Which I don't know if that hurts Trump. I really don't, and that's the whole trick with all this. I don't know if some of the hatred that he's getting over this these hearings hurt him in the long run. Even though I don't think he looks good in these hearings overall, even though it's all based on hearsay and a lot of his lies, I don't think it helps him personally, but I just don't know how in the current political landscape, whether or not he ends up losing points when it just you get these absurd lies. They're holding up this 25 year old person who wasn't even there who's saying the stuff happened and the stuff is so easily debunkable. But can you imagine that just uh, testifying that a senior White House staffer was warning Trump, do not do it. We will all get charged. And he wasn't even there. And she testifies. Um, Cipollone, by the way, had already testified to the committee behind closed doors, as is often the case. This is how this thing was done, is that the testimony takes place behind closed doors and then the committee gets to pick whatever their favorite parts are. And that's what comes out. When a young person who's a junior staffer in the White House heard someone say something about something that someone else had said, that does not make it an insurrection. Does not even make it evidence, much less an insurrection. Entirely one-sided, closed-door hearings. And then you only get a partial release of it, even if it contradicts what the witnesses actually said, because they don't care. This is why so many of the committee's targets are suing the committee. And they're saying they're violating its own resolutions and violating the Constitution's separation of powers by performing a law enforcement function, um, which is not what a legislative branch is supposed to do. They're acting like this is a court. Like, like, they're, like they are law enforcement. They're not law enforcement in the Congress. Joe Pollock has a good piece on this uh, t- that will be coming out, I think, tomorrow. Where he kind of breaks that part down for us, right, Britain is. So let's see how that goes for them. But uh, the, uh, again, we had a great day yesterday enjoying all the dunkage on the media, who I think is kind of thrown in the towel here, that they're just sticking with some of the falsehoods. Fox, of course, is the worst. When I was prepping the show last night, they still had not updated their hoax story about uh, Trump assaulting a Secret Service agent. So the, they, they had not done an update um, in the, when they had reported originally the report that Trump had uh, lunged at and attempted to commandeer a Secret Service SUV and, I don't know, maybe even tried to, you know, attack Secret Service agent, which was almost immediately refuted by the Secret Service after uh, this young actress testified to, about it. 
And uh, Fox hadn't even updated it. Uh, CNN still was referring to it as a bombshell. Chris Wallace out there saying she was just brilliant. It's happening in 24 hours after we learned the testimony was uh, baloney. So the January 6th committee is going to try to fix this horrible, horrible uh, fact for them, which is that Pat Cipollone was not there to give this uh, stern warning to Trump by subpoenaing um, uh, Cipollone again, but he's already testified. So she testifies, it falls apart, and then they subpoena a guy who's already given them what they needed or at least what they should have needed for the show trial anyway. Okay, good luck with that. Um, that's where we begin. So I, I bring this up mostly because it is it's such an amazing amount of winning that's going on. And uh, more winning, I think, on the abortion front. Ian Coulter's got a pretty brilliant column at the front page of Breitbart News right now. Abort the mission, abort. And she breaks down how even though the left would have you believe that the Supreme Court is just for 72 million American women of childbearing age to get pregnant and carry the baby to term, actually, she the vast majority of abortions are still going to be allowed. And she goes through the exact numbers. According to the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute, there was 930,000 abortions. Uh, there's about 930,000 abortions every year. I have no idea if that's a accurate number, but that sounds roughly in the ballpark. That's a lot. Killing almost a million babies a year. Shouldn't be very proud of that one. Um, but anyway, uh, it is uh, over two-thirds are performed in blue states. And remember, the Roe v. Wade goes back to the states. So it's a pretty clever column by Coulter because it also reminds you that if you're in a red state and you don't like abortions, there's probably going to be more you're going to want to do than just simply vote for politicians in your state who don't like abortions. Probably more that can be done at a national level uh, in order to change the culture. Anyway, over two-thirds are performed in blue states, so those are going to be safe. And even those in red states, a lot of those are not going to be banning abortions entirely. Um, And the vast majority of abortions are done in the first trimester. And many are done... I think hundreds of thousands are done now at this point with a uh, abortifacient pill, which will be banned, I think, in some of the most hardcore red states, but will be allowed in many other states. And I think even then, how it's going to be very tough to regulate that. And Coulter uses the example of we can't even stop deadly fentanyl from coming over our border. So how are we going to stop uh, a abortifacient pill that is legal in two-thirds of the country, how are we going to stop that from getting into the red states where people want it? It's going to be tough to do. 92% are in the first trimester for most abortions. In 43% are in the first six weeks. So she concluded it's probably between 100,000 and 150,000 abortions are actually going to be Uh, there'll be 100 to 150,000 fewer abortions out of the 930 based on the current math. Not to say that culturally things won't change, and I think they will, hopefully for the better. But all the meltdowns you're seeing, uh, the literal terrorism. I was looking at the Family Research Council has a running list 
of actual terrorist attacks that are taking place. A lot of them are designed specifically not to hurt individuals, but only to hurt buildings. Remember, that was how the language was used during the Black Lives Matter riots. And it was done by folks at the New York Times, it was done by folks in the Democrat Party, etc. That if you don't actually hurt another human being, the property is okay to destroy. It's fine. You're a-okay to destroy property. Uh, but what you cannot do is you cannot have a, uh, you, you, um, you just can't, you just can't hurt people. If you don't hurt people, then you're okay to commit whatever sort of violence you want to do, whatever terrorism. And, um, yeah, the FRC has a list of pro-life organizations, property and people since the Dob leak on, um, May the 2nd. So about seven, eight weeks ago, as we're recording this and the list is onto its sixth page bulleted list, you know, size 12 font of attacks. So intimidation, you cause property damage, vandalism, but hopefully you don't kill anyone because then you can stay under the law enforcement radar, particularly if you're in a area where there's, I don't know, maybe some defunded police, maybe some politicians who are sympathetic to your cause of aborting as many people as possible. Um, but overall, I think that the uh, plurality of Americans are, are supportive of what the Supreme Court decision is. And that's only that's now that's considering so many Americans get their news from CNN and MSNBC and they're getting a, a version uh, of the news as though it will be impossible to get an abortion in this country right away, which is not true. Again, as Coulter noted, you know, maybe we're looking at. 15% of actual abortions are the ones that are actually under attack from this decision. Ballpark, give or take. All right, the entire world is unhappier and more stressed since Joe Biden took office, according to a Gallup poll. The world is sadder, more worried, and more stressed out in 2021 than the year before, which is, again, this is the after the pandemic. So the pandemic is 2020. So pandemic breaks out. Again, the Breitbart, our first store, that mystery pneumonia in that was breaking out in China was in the first or second week of January of 2020. We were in lockdown mode by early March. And somehow 2021, things got worse for everyone. That was after the election year also. So the negative experience index went up 33 years in Joe Biden's first term as president. And this is something that we're experiencing around the world. And you know which part of the world is doing worse? Afghanistan. <coughs> the people abandoned there probably felt especially miserable. The brutal Taliban regime has now taken over. People are sick and starving. They're fearing for their lives. Whatever joy they had is gone now. And um, we're also seeing all-time lows in uh, places like Central Africa, other places like that. But Afghanistan is uh, bringing up the rear. Yeah, and why not? Is a so America pulls out and Taliban comes in, and on the way out, Americans uh, leave in a chaotic fashion that includes droning children with a Reaper drone. That's a bad year for Afghanistan, to put it mildly. But of course, one of the reasons why Americans are unhappy is because the economy is just continues to be just incredibly bad. And one thing that is noteworthy is how. People have no idea how to deal with it. Comically, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, said he's realized how little we understand about inflation. Not very reassuring. 
I think we now understand better how little we understand about inflation, Powell stated at the European Central Bank Forum on Central Banking in Sintra, Portugal. This was unpredicted, he admitted. And uh, this is something that we featured in our newsletter, Breitbart News, uh, Breitbart Business Digest that I work on with John Carney every afternoon. But uh, that is not something that's very reassuring because the economy, uh, it, it is perception, it is the reality, as we've noted. That if you believe the economy is in a bad spot, then the economy is going to be in a worse spot. And that's exactly what's happening. Economic confidence has crashed. 85% of Americans believe the economy is getting worse. Plurality say they're worse off financially than a year ago, and I'm shocked. It's merely a plurality. How many of you don't think you're worse off? Now, a full 67% of Americans are making uh, adjustments financially due to the gas crises. So they're not just wearing it. They're now, it is trickling down into the rest of the economy. Probably as to why 78% of the nation also thinks we're on the wrong track, which is up 27 points since Biden took office. Again, I would like to interview anyone who believes the country is on the right track. Unless you're just one of those green radicals who actually loves the idea of $25 a gallon gas. But I would still love to interview those people. Um, so, but how are people dealing with this? Well, I'll tell you how they're dealing with it in St. Paul, Minnesota. They're going to experiment with basic income, $12,000 cash plus money for college. Uh, I believe that will be quite inflationary. So if you do a guaranteed basic income experiment, which is handing money to people, that is how you create inflation. California is having inflation relief checks with millions of Californians are going to get a stimmy, aka stimulus. They're getting a bag of cash and worth up to $1,050. Why is California doing this? Because they're run by only Democrats, single party state. And that state has a budget surplus that they were able to accumulate during the pandemic for their highest in the nation or second highest in the nation tax rate. And they've got these massive industries, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, et cetera. So they're able to collect a lot of the, the huge university system. They're able to collect a lot of tax money because there's a lot of super leader there. And they've got that uh, surplus. And what are they going to do? They're going to dole it out. But to call it a stimulus uh, for in inflation relief is the way they're wording it is literally inflationary. This is the a lot of the financial blogs that I follow online and financial uh, accounts on social media. We're just having a field day with this. To have a inflation relief package, which is literally just getting money and um, making it rain on people. Might as well drive over the town square and just dump a bunch of cash out of an airplane or a helicopter. It's essentially what they're doing. Of course, that's going to create inflation. But they don't care about that. They just care about, uh, don't just stand there, spend, stop, spend something, which is the default. So what is the White House left to do? Well, apparently it is to continue to reassure the radical left base that, there are, that they have allies in high places. I guess, should we officially refer to this as the beginning of the woke update? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think we're officially there yet, but though this is certainly woke. The White House is promoting a website advising children about hiding abortions from their parents. This was the lead story for a little bit at Breitbart News yesterday. 
but this is how they're adjusting to Roe v. Wade. They are promoting a website called abortionfinder.org. That sounds good. I just don't get why people are encouraging this. This is the trick to me, and this is where I think we have a huge opportunity on the right. This is a big departure from what had been working for the Democrats for decades. They went from safe, legal, and rare to go to abortionfinder.org if you're a child. And it informs children who are 15 or younger that parental requirements are uh, required in a lot of places. And you may need to avoid involving a parent or guardian. And they give you uh, ways to bypass that on this website. And they give you scenarios. They literally have little games almost where they have little scenarios. If you fit certain categories or certain descriptions of yourself, how you can terminate the life of the child that's growing inside of you without letting your parents know. How much of the discussion should we rebalance and maybe talk about how to avoid getting pregnant to begin with? Just a little bit? Or should we only talk as though everyone is inevitably going to get pregnant? You're probably going to get pregnant when you're a child and you're probably not going to tell your parents. Because that's the attitude coming from the big creeper in the White House, big Joey the Biden. The more tech stuff, few tech items I want to mention. Twitter censor Jordan Peterson, the probably the most famous public intellectual in the English language at this time, because he called Elliot Page her birth name, which is Ellen. So he dead named Elliot Page, who was Ellen, now is Elliot. And uh, they kicked him off Twitter for that. So where'd Musk go? Musk is gone. Um, I don't know where he went. He's not on Twitter these days. I don't know where he was spitting hot fire. I wonder if it was a time consume, it was, that it was just time consuming. But he is not tweeted in nine days. And so he was essentially going to take over Twitter. He was by far the most interesting thing on Twitter with Trump gone. Not even close. And I say this is not a Musk fan. You just do have to admire his ability to manipulate news cycles. It's not... Uh, just because there's a lot of rich guys, but no one was working the media the way Musk was. The hyper-hype machine was in full flight. And now he's gone. It disappeared. And in the meantime, Jordan Peterson who, uh, dead names a, uh, a activist uh, biological female and he gets thrown off. That's it. You're done. You're off. You're off our platform. Get out. <laughs> you called someone who lived almost all their life as... Uh, uh, as Ellen, you called this individual Ellen and not Elliot. You're out. You're off social media. You're so insane. How could this possibly work? Sort of a um, corollary to this. Tesla's laying off a few hundred workers in their autopilot division, and they're closing a California facility. Makes sense they're closing California. It seems like Musk is kind of bummed out at uh, how things are going out in California. Um, tax rate huge, obviously having any real estate is going to be generally quite expensive out there. Need big facilities for the stuff. So he's trying to move everything around to places where more favorable conditions. Um, but the autopilot has kind of been a joke online. This is where Tesla drives itself. There's been a lot of crashes. There's been you know cars getting burst into flames. And I guess in the current climate that he feels like, uh, he's, he's scaling back on that. Embarrassing, but not as embarrassing as Apple CEO Tim Cook sucking up to China. He gave an interview to the state-run China Daily, sniveling. 
There's a big portion of Peter Schweitzer's book, Red Handed, which if you have not read, I highly recommend it. And if you're new to the broadcast, I recommend you track down my long form podcast, which is also on video, brightport.com with Peter, where we talk in great detail about the book. But uh, one of the things that is a theme in it is how Silicon Valley uh, kissing China's butt and to an absurd degree, just an absurd degree. And Apple, of course, is one of the, the kings of this because they have so many of their, pro- of, of their products are just flat out made in China. And there's people, of course, like Musk, who's uh, praised China as well. But uh, Bill Gates famously said that China couldn't censor the Internet, and then he actually helped them build a censored Internet. The guy who's the original outsourcer to China, and he's no doubt given them military tech and, and nuclear power capabilities via his software, etc. He's really been an advisor to the Communist Party, is the way Peter phrases it. And Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is helping China influence Africa, I would say colonize Africa. Tim Cook famously said when Xi Jinping walked into a room at a big banquet that the room shook because they know how much money he can control because his granting you permission to operate in China is just a major boon for a company or it's not. He, he, China makes these people giddy, the Silicon Valley CEOs. It makes them absolutely giddy. All right, now we are entering the woke update. We will enter the woke update now, and I will start with a, a good piece of news. So George Washington University Law School in the center of town in the foggy bottom in Washington, D.C., right around where I used to live, uh, their law school had a petition that was going around demanding that uh, Clarence Thomas get fired from a teaching position. George Washington Law School has some non-left-wing people in it, though, of course, it's a generally a left-wing institution. A lot of woke stuff that goes on. I'm pretty familiar with it because I lived right there for a long time. Um, but Clarence Thomas, there was a big effort to try to uh, cancel him because he stripped the right to bodily autonomy of people with wombs, not women, people with wombs. What happens if you had a hysterectomy, though? I mean, come on, you're still a woman if you want to be, or else you could be a man. Anyway, he also further stripped the rights of queer people to remove the ability for people to practice safe sex without fear of pregnancy. I won't even attempt to follow that logic. Uh, But George Washington University told the students to take a hike, which is nice. The, uh, The provost of in law dean sent out in an email uh, a rebuke of this, saying that we're, Justice Thomas's employment is not going to be canceled. The university will neither terminate Justice Thomas's employment nor cancel his class in response to his legal opinions. This is something happening here. There's something happening here. Steadfast support for the robust exchange of ideas is something that they endorse. They want deliberation. They want debate. This is the type of stuff we expected from our universities forever. Then it seems like we lost it. Then we got to the point where, you know, if Ann Coulter comes to your campus, she gets shouted down. So a positive uh, woke update. Schools standing up to their woke Gen Z students and some millennials probably in the law school who don't want any diversity of thought or opinion. Uh, here's a not good one, but also there's something darkly humorous about this. Disney has an animated children's series called Baymax. It's got a really cute, 
little almost like a marshmallow man. Um, but uh, don't put this on for your kids. Don't put on Baymax because Baymax is a transgender man who menstruates in the show. So a trans man who menstruates giving advice on which maxi pads to buy kid show. And it is just sitting there waiting to groom your kids right in the middle of all the tiles on Disney. And um, people miss this one. But just know that Baymax, the big puffy white thing. I can't tell if it's a robot or if it's something else. Looks like, a, looks like a big white balloon. That's the big character. And a lot of trans stuff. Speaking of trans, Biden's trans HHS official, Rachel Levine, is pushing life-saving sex change surgeries and puberty blockers for kids. This is the logic that people are doing now. They're saying that if you don't do what we want, then uh, people will die. This is the type of emotional blackmail that's going on, and it's going on most of all in this trans community. Which, by the way, there's a massive suicide rate for people in the trans community who go through the gender-bending procedures. So I don't know if it's clear-cut that changing your gender is going to stave off suicide anyway. But even if it did, this is not a reason to have radically, uh, radically alter children biologically because you've been blackmailed by HHS Secretary Levine, who lived most of his life as Richard. Rachel Levine says sex reassignment surgery and puberty blockers for kids is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool. Uh, parents should be aware of this, and that they should also be aware that this is uh, this is what Biden does with his appointments. He has this box checking as hiring strategy approach to his appointments. He loves the idea that Rachel Levine thinks that he is a woman, even though he is a man, and tries to live accordingly. Uh, Dr. Roger Marshall, um, who is a senator, pointed out that actually suicide rates have increased in places where there's more cross-sex hormones being doled out, according to Heritage Foundation report. The absurdity is, un- is unbelievable. Uh, I'm the I reported earlier in the week of a 29 year old a trans skateboarder is beat a bunch of 13 year old girls so literally female children in a skateboarding competition in the first step towards the U.S. Olympic skateboarding team which for the girls I guess the girls can be very young on that team some of them are 13 and this man is beating girls now. He is a father of three. Richie Trays was born Richard Beatrice and has uh, was a former U.S. sailor, by the way, on the USS Abraham Lincoln has three children. 29 years old and is now beating girls. And what does he say? I'm not going easy on them because they're kids. Charming. Must be a great dad, too. It's funny, it's what I am getting beat up over the most, people saying you're beating little kids, little girls. I didn't intend to do that. This is the first one I've been to that I actually wanted to win. The age doesn't really count. I just skateboard, and I don't think skateboarding has anything to do with physicality, especially when you look at kids these days. What a genius. I mean, we laugh so we don't cry. 
I, I'm reluctant to say this because I know I'm going to sound like Eric Swalwell, but I was updating the front page of Breitbart News and uh, Master Marlowe, my three-year-old came over because he noticed that I was going for a clown emoji. I was trying to pull down a clown emoji to use for January the 6th headline. He got very excited by that. And uh, when I was showing him where I used it on the page at Breitbart.com, um, he was struck by Richie Trey's this bizarre photo that we had on the front page and asked me what was going on there. And I said to him that that was a very strange man. So, uh, and then I, I tried to tried to change the conversation. But it's obviously a man who's fashioning his hair and his eyebrows like a woman. De- but he doesn't think skateboarding has anything to do with physicality. Nice. California Department of Justice uh, had a big data leak revealing the names, addresses of all the state's concealed carry permit holders. Uh, cyber attacks are real. Leaks are real. And just don't think that there is anything that is beneath people who are uh, have different worldviews than you politically. Uh, they're willing to leak a lot of your private information. And unfortunately, we're living in an era you got to live pretty above board because anything bad that's out there that's supposed to be confidential might get leaked these days. So not a great look for California, but what is a great look for California? Attorney General Rob Bonta out there is saying that we're going to be investigating the exposure of the individuals. So, but the DOJ firearms dashboard has been revealed. And this is part of why also a lot of people oppose all the background checks because they make a big database. The database can get leaked. New York City woman who is pushing a baby in a stroller on the Upper East Side was shot dead, allegedly execution style, right next to the three-month-old. Not a great look for New York City, I must admit. Um, Eric Adams on the hot seat on this because he is law enforcement guy and he's supposed to be in uh, the, the, the he's supposed to know a thing or two about this the mayor of New York City, but 20 year old mom killed point blank shot to the head, pushing her baby in a stroller across the street from a park, terrified children apparently saw the murder, no doubt scarring them for a long time as well. Cities are falling apart, and this comes in the heels of a couple years of defund the police, getting a lot of attention in the media. Last one, Catholic League is uh, very upset because Nancy Pelosi received communion at the Vatican. She heard getting communion at the Vatican, people regard as a stunt. I'm guessing Pelosi, who is a alleged Catholic, is not spending a ton of time in the pews these days. But uh, she's being accused of politicizing the Eucharist from the Catholic League president, Bill Donahue. She rejects the Catholic Church's teachings on abortion, marriage, and sexuality, he said. But then she receives Holy Communion at a papal mass, St. Peter's Basilica. The Pope was in attendance but did not give out the communion. Pelosi's stunt was done to undercut her bishop, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione. He has told her not to present herself for communion, citing her lust for abortion rights. All that's quoting Donahue. That's what the left does. They never miss an opportunity for a political stunt. Pelosi is the queen of that. longtime supporter of Susan B. Anthony's list, which I guess has gone through a rebrand, is now Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, SBA Pro-Life 
org, And it is a group that has done a yeoman's job of trying to get the word out that all life matters. It really is true. That is uh, the centerpiece of what they do. And they're not hysterical. They're very calculated in the way they message. And I think they've been one of the most effective groups in shifting America's culture on this vital issue, literally the most important issue you could possibly have, the issue of life itself. Let's hear from Marjorie right now. Marjorie, congrats on the big victory. Uh, first, give me your thoughts. Uh, you can emote a little bit. Um, I know the fight <laughs> continues in a lot of ways, but uh, obviously you're a huge part of the big win. Oh, well, to God be the glory. It's been 50 years, not my personal years, because, of course, I'm still just 25, but a lot of my years, too, <laughs> um, but of an entire movement and the country moving towards a, a point where, um, that finger would be taken off our off of the wheels of democracy that, you know, all those years ago, the court said, we don't care what you think. We're going to be a grand legislature and decide what the what this um, what this incredible issue that's caused so much strife is going to be. We've decided now we all get to decide. So at one point, it's um, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude for um, for for this moment. And then also. We have a huge, um, brand new and beautiful battle ahead that will, it is already resulting in the saving of many, many lives. And, and, and as time goes on, millions. And when you think about that, I mean, you're a part of this. So many are a part of this. To be even partially responsible for the life of one human being is huge. But hundreds of thousands and then millions. And then also their moms are an important part of this whole are a central part of this whole story. So um, it's just an amazing moment. And uh, everyone, I mean, I don't know many people that said that it could be done. I really don't. I mean, because people just assume the status quo will always be. Um, but the people who really have believed, they are true, true heroes, people like you. Oh, thank you. That And I do feel very proud of this. And I said this, uh, I don't often um, vocalize this, but I did feel a little bit of sense of personal pride um, in this, because yeah, it, it is a movement where it's such a narrow thing. It's such a narrow vote. I mean, even, uh, you know, five to four vote, the one Supreme Court seat, and all of a sudden yeah. you can save hundreds of thousands of lives, potentially a year. And it is a, a long road, 50 years, of course. And I would say that, you know, we really sh shifted tactics over the last 10 years, I think, to get more aggressive as a conservative movement. Mm -hmm. And this has been a big deal. And this has been, I think, <laughs> I, I want you to comment on uh, how the pro-life movement really in a moment where it seemed like, and it still seems like the country and cultural issues is moving left, unfortunately, in mm -hmm. so many ways, where while we are moving I'm more towards a pro-life direction. It's almost hard to put a left-right or left-right spectrum, but it, it is. is seen as as a right-of-center issue, which we we know it shouldn't be, but it kind of is. Uh, why do you think this was the big exception? I know it's a, a nuanced answer, but we have time. No, I I think that because it truly is very obviously a human rights battle, and it does transcend party. It does transcend where you live. <laughs> it it transcends. Um, <clears throat> just social boundaries and and um, and education levels. You know, it's not subject to anything. It is how we all came into this world. And over the last fifty years, we've seen advances in in science. All every all of us, every person that you see, um, has seen some 
version of a sonogram or has when uh, has or it certainly knows a lot more about the development of the unborn child than they did 50 years ago i mean for heaven's sakes you you have your fingerprint when you're at nine weeks a fingerprint that no one will share with you for your entire life and there are a billion other examples i think it's because it truly transcends all the boundaries and also um it was a i think a latent power for so long until it was um, given the political muscle that it really deserved at the center of politics. I think we could have languished in, um, in, in beautiful ministry and beautiful education and a lot of service to women, but still we would not have gotten to the overturn of Roe versus Wade. We definitely yeah. wouldn't have if we hadn't been able to flex political muscle. Uh, the, the sonogram is such a big deal, and as I've said in the show a number of times, but I'll say it a, a million more, that when <laughs> I when we hit our first baby, the, the hearing of the heartbeat, which we heard before the first sonogram we got, that to me was a moment that it just rings in your brain. It is one of those moments that, uh, to quote a favorite left-wing celebrity, is indelible in the hippocampus. Like, you, 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 <laughs> you, you'll, you'll, you'll never get over it. The sensation is yeah. surreal. It's a surreal pleasure, and it is a profound, deeply profound moment. And to lie to yourself that that's not a life is something that just was not going to go on forever, and it's nice to see that uh, the culture is finally catching up to, I think, this clear common sense here. But I think the scientific element is big. It's not just religious or moral arguments, which is, yeah. of course, resonant to me. But the scientific one, I think, does broaden the uh, radius in terms of uh, pulling people into the sphere. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is in every um, apologetics manual. You meet people where they are and where their doubts are. Yes. And if they are truly religious, you appeal to the obvious religious and, and faith-filled um, messages that have to be. If they're if they're not, or um, but they 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 clearly have an ability to see what the development of the unborn child is. Listen to that heartbeat. Know someone who has um, lost a child to miscarriage that grieved, didn't celebrate. You know they're. There are so many um, important developments in science, and a lot of those are those developmental milestones. I have to recommend um, the Voyage of Life thing on the Charlotte Lozier Institute, our, on our, um, on our, uh, through our website at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. It's called the Charlotte Lozier Institute. But if you just Google Voyage of Life, you will see more cool information than you've ever seen because a lot of it is newly discovered about stages of life from the very beginning. It's really overwhelmingly beautiful. And if you're, if you're expecting a baby or know someone that is, they should see it because it's so exciting. But look how it arms us in this whole argument, science-based, about life and protect and when your rights begin. I think it's important to say, too, that, you know, where the states are right now, I mean, we have now 12 that are certified to have either a complete ban or partial ban at heartbeat or other or 15 weeks in their in their states you know those are the culmination of also public opinion and where it is underreaching or overreaching democracy and that process will account for that and it will adjust whether we want to whether we want it to or not it will reflect the current thinking of the people in those states and also in the congress so i think a lot of the fear and anger while it's not surprising I think that it will dissipate over time because we, 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 for 50 years we weren't able to go through that process, 
and we're doing it right. all immediately. Uh, Marjorie Dan and Velzer run Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. We've done a little bit of a rebrand. Is that the story, Marjorie? <laughs> yes, to reflect where we are now, yes. Yeah, well, it is Pro-Life America now. SBAProLife.org if you want to get involved. And as I've noted over and over again, uh, I donate every year and I will continue to do so. And now's a good time because the the, the battle does continue. Um, um, you know, uh, the, the left is still uh, jacked up on this. I think their talking points are particularly weak, surprisingly weak in my view. But they're still motivated to try to make sure that abortions are uh, not safe, legal, and rare, but are the standard and that yeah. is something that we're going to have to be up against. So where do you think the battle goes from here? Well, it's now the midterms and also um, some other political battles in states over their state constitutions like Kansas in August. But the midterms are big because if we fail to pick up either House, House or Senate, um, it could undo all of this because they only have one standard. It's all or nothing for them. All or nothing is what they argue to the Supreme Court all or nothing is what they're arguing to every voter. And all or nothing is where they will lose, in my opinion, if that is the story that gets out, that reality. Those midterms, um, those uh, statewide battlegrounds for the Senate and the battlegrounds for the House, the contrast it sh will be the contrast that it's been for the last many elections, where this has been an important part of a winning pro-life candidate's um, position. Uh, and it will be even more so now. And it's, you want abortion up until the end, funded by you and me, and what I want is what the people of this state say. And I'm going to press and make my argument in the court of public opinion, and where we'll land is that consensus. And I think that is winning. Democracy over you get, you get nothing of what yeah. you think. Um, so I think we're in good shape, but we have, to, we have to win one or both of those because they have every, all the power. In I agree with you. It starts with electing pro-life leaders and making sure that you get pro-life judges to make sure that the we don't all of a sudden find that abortion has made its way back into the Constitution all of a sudden, which could happen. But mm -hmm. uh, do you see it as a battle also state by state in terms of uh, some states are going to have really radical laws that will encourage abortion. I think we're going to get a lot of the government paying for the abortions of people coming in from out of state, which is heinous and appalling. I think we're going to see a lot yeah. of that. Uh, but then there's also red states and purple states, which I, I imagine you're going to want those states to have more strict laws and regulations. I mean, so I'm, I'm very curious where you're going yeah. to be here. Well, you know, I'm going to send you the map. So you see every state has its own story. But uh, for everybody else, um, and also you can look on our on our website to look at the map. Every state really is unique. For instance, North Carolina has a Democratic governor. Could they pass a 15-week limit right now? No. So we've got to vote out that governor, get another one. Um, Virginia, a similar situation, except for that we have a great governor, but we don't have a uh, we have like one vote more that we need. So we got to work on that. And then Arkansas has has stopped every abortion. And then California. Um, will not only guarantee abortion, but will we'll fly people in, uh, use their taxpayers' money to fly people in all over the country to abort the kids uh, who live in all those other states. So, so it really will be very different from each other. And I, my view is that in the long run, it will even out a little bit. Um, but, but right now, it is quite a patchwork, and it is really where the lives are won. The, the, what's happening in the Congress is just, 
it is defensive. It is if they get the majority and eliminate the filibuster, they will absolutely pass this radical law that means that none of us can do any of this work. Um, right. The rest of it is, is the front line. Uh, what's interesting here is that the a lot of people, I think, in the immediate aftermath of the Roe versus Wade decision, um, and it really the aftermath of the leaked Justice Alito opinion two months ago, uh, was the thought that this is going to really motivate the left to come out and, and vote. I, I no longer have that viewpoint. I mean, it will to a degree, but I think, if anything, it might be more motivating to people on our side of the aisle here because... Um, I think people like winning. I think they like uh, getting victories. And I think that the arguments uh, from the laughter are, are not particularly persuasive. I'm going to share some new ones that I've been reading with the audience um, uh, in the next segment here. But if you look at how Hollywood is framing these issues, they're just a totally incoherent gobbledygook. And I find that to be a great sign. What they have is tons of cash. And that for a while can make up for a really bad argument and it certainly has a certain point but um but what we have is a a base motivated by the fact that every time i i elect i'm also saving x you know x amount of number of lives human beings boys girls intended for this world if that isn't a motivator um nothing is i mean when you really think about that uh or even just viscerally think about the, the arguments. Um, I just don't think they buy, you can't tell me what to do with my body anymore. What I mean is, like, yeah, a lot of people think that. But but I think at this state in the play, um, it, 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 it so obviously is not a part of your body. Why would this Roe v. Wade have been overturned? Why does this movement grow every time we suffer any minor loss? <laughs> it's because it's about a person. So I think we'll be motivated more than the other side, but I also think that you cannot underestimate what cash can do because it can absolutely echo horrible lies. Um, I, the, I want to go back in time a little bit. Why do you think the, the left never made a push to have legislation, have laws on the books that codified abortion rights, that they were content to have this precarious, very poorly reasoned Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision be their only lifeline, that they had no reinforcement? Was it just so they could raise money for the pro-abortion industry, uh, just so they could have a political cudgel to be conservatives with? Uh, Because it just seems like, in retrospect, that that was a big mistake that they made. I think so, too. It's why they lost the court case. I mean, Roberts points out that if they had not argued this all-or-nothing argument, Things might have gone a different way. They didn't even try to argue, hey, let's just keep it at 15 weeks, which is what Mississippi is asking us. And we'll, right. we'll make sure that Roe uh, is, is, um, is maintained. But, you know, maybe we'll, do, we'll look at this again later. If they had argued something else, maybe that would have worked. They wouldn't be where they are. Also, exactly as you say, in legislatures across the country, there, it, it's a messaging moment. It's a true believer messaging moment. And it did work in a lot of states. You have those those laws that reflect uh, that position in, in California, New York, Vermont, a lot, a lot of states, um, ten states. But the, uh, you know, the I, I I actually think that in the long run that can't be sustained. I just think that that at least a limit at even um, what's her name in Georgia, the governor, former governor. Um. um. I, I, no, the, I mean, the one who's almost governor, Stacey Abrams. 
Thank you, Stacey Abrams is arguing. Yeah, she, th- 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 they, she thinks she was governor, but she wasn't, thankfully. <laughs> no, she was so close. I, I yeah, it was close. It and it was, it was so sad. No, she argued yesterday that uh, she just wants abortion to the, through the second trimester, but with an exception for health in the last, which yeah. is part of their whole, you know, um, Brave New World talk, 1984 talk. It just is that health is everything. So she's right. really saying she again wants it the whole time. They just what happened, and you know this because you were you yeah, well, and, and just know health is going to become mental health overnight, right? Yeah, exactly. Health is is, is exception for and mental health what? is is it's inconvenient for me because I'm trying to move up the corporate ladder at Amazon, and uh, now is not a good time. Like that's that's be. right, or yeah. whatever. I don't feel good. You know, just yeah. I just just trust me. I don't feel good. So I, I identify as a person who doesn't feel good. <laughs> Today, but tomorrow might feel better. But today, not a yeah. good day for a baby. Um, I, what happened, really, though, and you know this, is that um, when Obama became the president, and through his becoming the president, there was no uh, tolerance for any Democrat for it, with a different position. There were a ton of pro-life Democrats. I worked for pro-life Democrats in the in the House of Representatives, but then they were completely filtered out. You could not run for anything unless you had a hundred percent. And they control that party now. I just think their time is short. I really do. Uh, Marjorie, I've got a minute or so left, but I want to get your quick 30-second take on a couple items. Biden administration's weighing setting up abortion clinics on federal lands, literally abortion tents in federal parks. <laughs> it, it just ramps up the outrage. That'll motivate our base times a lot, and they will not accomplish that. They simply they won't. They can't. I mean, if they if they do, they guarantee losing the presidency also, and we'll we'll fix it. But that is such an outrage. I, I love our that. Money, I love that. Our parks, our beauty, our beautiful nature, and then oh, when you go to the bathroom, there's an abortion happening next to ne- next to Yellowstone. Just unbelievable. <laughs> Abortions at Yellowstone. I, I mean, it's so it's so horrific. You almost have to laugh at it. Uh, the White House promoting a website advising children on how to hide abortions from their parents. Uh, again, this is not an appendectomy. You're helping some. You're helping your kids kill other kids. That what they need is your help and your love. How do they get there in the first place? Where's all the money that Planned Parenthood is closing down? What What about their purported job to actually help people beyond abortion? No, they're closing because that's all they care about. It, it is such a blind view that that's that this is the big panacea that abortion is the great liberator. That it's the thing that helps everyone. Look at the underlying cause. What does that person really need? Give them the help they need, not to kill their kid, because that in the end is going to make everything so much worse. Yeah, it, it absolutely will. And I think that that is a, another thing to continue to remind people is that people regret this stuff. They regret these bad decisions. Marjorie Dannenfelser, Susan B. Anthony List, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, SBA, ProLife.org. Congrats again. Time flies when you're on, so come back soon. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right. 
our caller of the day, Tracy, is a pharmacist. And after I make some light jokes about how often she gets harassed for free medical advice, uh, she breaks down how we've completely lost the plot when it comes to contraception versus abortion versus adoption, etc. It seems like we've got this debate totally backwards and we're focusing on entirely the wrong stuff, but she speaks to it from a, a more scientific perspective and someone who works in a world that doles out contraception. Uh, you want to hear from her. Let's listen to her call of the day. I've been pharmacist for probably about 20 years. Now, Tracy, do people come up to your counter at the pharmacy and ask you for free medical advice when you're trying to get stuff done? Job. You're the most accessible healthcare professional, so that's part of the job. Well, I was I wondering, though, how much of the day is spent fending off people who are asking you for takes on, on because because they're too lazy to go to their doctor that they will just hey Tracy standing right there she looks friendly I'm gonna go ask her about stuff that I should well, probably sort out doctor's office. Sometimes they just office. don't have the access. Yeah, sometimes they just don't have the access, and it's you know there are minor ailments that you know we can help with. So. Um, do you remember several years ago when the Affordable Care Act was passed and um, there were things in those provisions that forced insurance companies to cover items? And some of the items that were forced to be covered for a zero-dollar copay were oral contraceptives. So my question is, or my thought is, since Roe v. Wade has been overturned and everyone should have insurance, right? We were mandated to purchase insurance. Sure. And one of the provisions that's covered is oral contraceptives, why are we not now having a discussion about how do we prevent pregnancy? You have free access to oral contraceptives and the like, so let's prevent a pregnancy from ever happening. I'm just, I'm really confused. Yeah, this is, I think, noteworthy, and I don't I, I don't, do you think that, is, is it a information question? Is it an access question? Where, where do you think the disconnect takes place in this chain here, Tracy? I, I don't really know that it's a disconnect because like I said, we, you know, the insurance providers and all of the, you know, Medicare and Medicaid yeah. and, you know, funded entities were told they had to cover oral contraceptives because there was, there's been many insurance companies that don't consider quote, pregnancy to be a disease, right? Because it's not like high blood pressure or diabetes. The, wor- the worst STD so when, of all. The worst STD of all well, is pregnancy, so, Tracy. This is so what I've been you, told. Well, yeah, so if you, you know, for, for years, if some insurance companies, they did not deem that to be a, quote, you know, issue, they wouldn't cover your oral contraceptives. So, you know, when ACA passed and they were like, oh, we have to have all these things that are absolutely going to be covered and a woman can have access and it's going to be free. I mean, it's there. It's already there. So, you know, why are we not now, or at least the left, why is it not now? Okay, remember when we passed ACA? We passed ACA and we said you could have access to free oral contraceptives. Why don't you go take them and then you won't need an abortion? This is another thing where I think the right has not done a great job on this because the right does have a realm that there is a part of the right that's sort of anti-contraception, which I think is pretty unrealistic, to be honest with you, though, though, though I get it if you can live that way. And many people do. And I know people at Breitbart who live that way. And it's the uh, and that is terrific if you can do it. But I do think overall we've kind of we missed the boat on this one a little bit. Um, but the. There's so much access to condoms that are free everywhere in all the schools. It seems like, but every school, I think a lot of workplaces have that available as well. And then, yeah, 
Department yeah, you of Public can, Health, you can walk in. Yeah, absolutely. As a society, we've decided we don't actually want the unwanted pregnancies. It's just it does kind of it doesn't get discussed, and I don't know why this doesn't get discussed when we're talking about abortion as contraception, which is basically the conversation this week. The conversation this week is basically abortion is the last resort contraception, but it's a necessary type of contraception. And there's a lot of us, Tracy, who are just fundamentally don't think that. We, we think there's other ways to do it. Now, I'll tell you, I think the uh, oral contraception is a big deal. And, you know, I will confide in the audience that that was not a route that uh, we considered my family. So a lot of families don't want that. And I, I think that that's a good uh, th- that's a good option for you to take a pass on that, but is available to people who want it. It, it just adds to the there's no it's real available, right? And there's no it, real it's, excuse. It's even, more, it's even more accessible than you think. Like for example, yeah. in, okay, I'm in Georgia, but over on the west coast, I think it's Oregon. Their pharmacists actually have a protocol where if you walked up to the counter and you said, "I would like to get an oral contraceptive," that pharmacist would have a checklist and a I don't know if they're the provider or if they have a doctor that they work with, but they can actually prescribe and dispense to you an oral contraceptive. There's apps that you can get on your phone that do the same exact thing. So it's at your fingertips. Any woman can sign up and get it. And with, like I said, ACA saying, hey, it's a mandated covered, you know, drug on your list, you're going to be able to get something. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't get it, it's because you had made mistakes along the way and are not paying attention and are not being responsible. It's not because it's actually. Um, and, and thanks, Trace, for the it's call. Not call, call. To get. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's easy to get. It's easy to get. And, and, and if you cannot figure out how to get it, you shouldn't be having sex and you definitely shouldn't be having kids. So, uh, and it is. One of those ones where I would just recommend if you get to that point, still adoption, infinitely, infinitely more moral option. But there's just no excuse. There's birth controls everywhere. It's hard to avoid it. This is my point with the oral contraception is that, you know, try being um, not that I have firsthand knowledge of this. I'm uh, I'm not exactly um, I'm not um, who uh, Rachel Levine. But I, from the other women in my life, they give me the impression that they are constantly being uh, uh, pushed oral contraception on them whenever they're going to the doctor. The doctor's always constantly offering it up to them. That the uh, uh, medical establishment wants you to take it. So if you're avoiding it, you're avoiding it because you're behaving irresponsibly and this needs to be a part of the conversation. And so once you made the one irresponsible decision, the solution is not abortion. The solution is adoption, in my opinion. So I will throw that out there. That is an opinion which you're allowed to have, and we're allowed to talk about it. And we don't need to hear uh, people hectoring us with megaphones and Handmaid's Tail bonnets to have such an opinion. I got American parts. I got American faith in America's heart. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Eben and to all of you who have told 10,000 friends and family members about the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Go to Breitbart.com for all the news all day, every day. Can't thank you enough, and we'll see you tomorrow. And I want-